You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. We're going to be in the book of Genesis, if you'll open your Bibles there. Genesis chapter 32. So I think it's obvious uh, to our church and those of us who have been here for a period of time, to know, you know that uh, as a church we're all going to be facing some new things this, this coming year. Me and my wife facing some brand new um, place, a place of ministry and the same thing for our church here as far as a, um, calling another pastor in is um, it's a big deal. <laughs> It's a really big deal to me and my wife, and I know it's a really big deal to our congregation. And um, I, what, what is, is comforting to me is to know that God has just guided and directed in it and has led all the way. And there are some things that you just got to keep in order in your heart and mind during transition and things that can be right in front of us, whether we want them to be there or not sometimes they're just going to be there and you know that and so how do we face those things and how does God prepare my heart your heart for new things even if it's just as simple as stepping into a new year are there some things that we ought to stop and consider and I'd say yes very much so I I want to do a better job in 2019 than I did in 18 I had a lot of things that I felt like God blessed in 18 but Oh man, I, I, I know there's so much more that could be done in my personal life and my walk with God, and I'm sure that's true of, of all of us. And so when we look at this passage, you're going to find that uh, God literally changes a man um, for better service for the Lord and changes him for what is right out in front of him. Uh, he's kind of dreading it, to be honest with you. When we look at it, it'll make sense to you. And, and God did something for that man in a really, really big way. And I, I want us to look at it this morning. Um, I'll, I'll give a couple of titles to my message. How God Prepared Jacob to Cross the Brook or Preparing to Step into the Next Year. Either one of those would be fitting for uh, the, the title for my message this morning. So if you will, look in uh, chapter 32. We're going to start in verse 1. <clears throat> I'm not going to read the entire chapter. I'm going to read several verses and give you some background. Um, we'll shorten that aspect of it up. So, um, Genesis 32 and verse 1, the Bible says, And Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. Now, I'm going to give you the background here in a moment. But when Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's host. And he called the name of that place Mahanaim. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau his brother under the land of Seir, the country of Edom. Now, some of you that are familiar with your Bibles and have read the Old Testament, uh, your mind's clicking and you're starting to like, I think I know where we're at in this story. Verse 4, And he commanded them, saying, Thus shall ye speak uh, unto my lord Esau. Verse 4, Thy servant Jacob saith thus, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed there until now. And I have oxen and asses, flocks and men servants and women servants, and I have sent to tell my Lord that I may find grace in thy sight. Now, why would Jacob be so worried about meeting Esau, 
hoping he could find grace in his sight. Again, those of you familiar with your Bibles, be a familiar story, and we'll, we'll back that up here in just a minute. Verse 6, and the, the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to thy brother Esau, and oh, by the way, also he cometh to meet thee and 400 men with him. Now that's when the music goes dun, 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 in the heart of Jacob, I promise you that. It, now he is just a mess. So in verse 7, it even tells you that. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. Why is he bringing 400 guys with him? I'm sure he's thinking all these thoughts. So he was afraid and, and uh, distressed, and he divided the people that was with him and the flocks and herds and the camels into two different bands, two bands, okay? Now, um, let's drop down from there, if you will, into verse 22. Verse 22. We'll read another section of verses here. Verse 22, And he rose up that night and took his two wives and his two women servants and his eleven sons and passed over the ford Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Jacob knew what he was facing. I mean, this is, uh, this is life and death. And he's not about to let go of the one that can bless him unless he does. Verse 27, and he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, that's the angel talking to Jacob, obviously. What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power, <clears throat> notice these two things, with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? What, what purpose do you have in that? I had a purpose when I asked for yours. And he just says, and he, and he blessed him there. Now in verse 30. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. So what's out in front of him? Uh, after the meeting, I'm not saying he wasn't scared, and he didn't have some things that were still, I don't know if I want to meet this guy or not, but they weren't as ominous as they seemed. The clouds were not quite as dark as uh, initially, and they got a little bit better after this, this encounter with, and it's none other than God, that the man that he's wrestling with is God himself. So things got a little better. We'll, we'll take a look at these things here in just a moment. Let me have a word of prayer. God, again, thank you for bringing us to the house of the Lord today and those of us that have responded to your leading Lord. And I would just ask you again, Father, may the grace of God be bestowed upon this congregation this morning. May the hand of the Lord be upon me as I preach. May the power of God be manifest, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. <clears throat> so, how God prepared Jacob to cross the brook, because that's where he's at, on this flip side of the brook, he sent everybody else on across the brook uh, to meet up with his brother. So, 
Here's the deal. Jacob had, uh, if you'll go backwards in Jacob's life, Jacob and Esau, twins, um, had schemed a plan to get, you know, the birthright from his twin brother Esau. And Esau was so angry that he swore he was going to kill his brother. This was early on in their life. And so <clears throat> Jacob's mother said, Jacob, you're going you're gonna to have to leave before your brother takes your life. You go and live with my uncle, uh, your, your uncle Laban. And, um, and he did. And he lived there for 20 years, uh, long enough to gather a huge flock. God blessed him abundantly there. <clears throat> Being one of the patriarchs as he was, God blessed him tremendously. Uh, and now, after 20 years of hard labor, and it was, Laban was not a good um, uncle to work for. He, he, he was a trickster, uh, much like Jacob was, and, uh, and connived and cheated uh, Jacob in many ways, and Jacob had had it, and, and he just snuck out one night and tried to get away from his uncle, and come to find out, the uncle hears about it, and he comes charging with all of his men, and it looked like it was going to be war, and finally they made up and, and were friends, and, and they, they parted. And it comes into this chapter where Jacob meets up with these angels and then with this guy that he, that he wrestles with. So now he's going to come home with his two wives and his children, this great herd of cattle and many possessions. He knows that his brother had wanted to kill him, and he was still very scared to meet him, even though uh, 20 years had passed at this point. So on his journey back, he stops at Maenaim, sends a large gift of cattle to Esau, hopefully to appease his anger toward him, hopefully. Uh, and his servants came back to tell Jacob that, good news, Esau's coming to meet you. Oh, one other detail though, there's, he's bringing 400 guys with him. And I'm sure that he's thinking, oh great, these are soldiers. These are men that are carrying staves and, and, and swords maybe, spears, and, I, and I'm in a lot of trouble. So uh, <clears throat> 400 guys coming with him, and it doesn't look good for crossing the brook. Now, every now and then I'll pause here for just a minute, and I'd like for us to stop for a minute. Crossing over the brook, stepping into that uh, new territory, scary. It's, it's new territory. He's never been in this place before. If you say it was his old homeland, I know, but it wasn't such that his brother was coming out probably to kill him. And I don't know when you stop and look over the brook, over into what we would call next year, if it looks a little ominous to you in some ways. Maybe some things you don't have answers for. Things that are just in the air and you just wish God would let you know how it's going to happen. Or if I could just bypass this whole thing would really be nice. I'm sure Jacob was thinking that. But a lot of us get to that place, maybe 2019 kind of um, stands out to you like that. A lot of times it can. So here's what Jacob does. Jacob is this guy that always is scheming. He's always trying to do things his way. He divides up his family and his flocks, divides them in half, sends them over the river to go meet Esau while he lays down on the other side of the brook to try to sleep before meeting his fate, whatever that was going to be. That's what he did. But before God allowed him to meet Esau, God prepared his heart for the journey and for the meeting and what it was going to be like. And I think it would be a great thing maybe here this morning if we could, each of us would try to maybe copy Jacob's pattern before facing the new year that's right out in front of us. Um, 
I, I can't say that I have something ominous right out in front of me, scary necessarily, but I have a lot of big question marks. And I so want God to answer them and not me trying to fill in the blanks for God. You understand the difference in the two? You, you need to know that it's the fingerprint of the Lord on the pen that's writing out your life. Make sure it's God's. Make sure it's not you the one trying to say, I, I can do this. I, I've got strength and energy and I, I've got a brain that God gave me. I can figure life out. Well, if God's leading you in that, praise the Lord, but you better be careful um, that <clears throat> you're not trying to, de- to devise your way and make things happen my way. Jacob was. Jacob did that all his life. We're going to take a fresh look at that, though, what God did for him. So let's, let's notice uh, how God lays it out for us. First of all, what did God do to prepare him to get across the brook? Because he wouldn't go across the brook with his family and stay there. He, he went right back across, kind of scared. Number one, he made him have a, a personal encounter with God. And I want to show you that. Look back down into verse 30. Um, 24, I'm sorry, verse 24. So notice 23, he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. Notice what he does in verse 24. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Now guys, I don't know how else you look at that. That to me is just bizarre. I mean, just out of the blue, some, some guy shows up and they get into this wrestling match and it makes its way into this chapter of the Bible. I, I can hardly believe all that really took place in this chapter and what God did to and for Jacob here. <clears throat> Let's just put it this way and, and relate to him for just a minute. Every one of us are on a journey. Every one of us are facing, like I've already said it, we're facing something out in front of us. And if we would allow God to work, guys, if on this journey that we're taking, if while I am... Uh, I know we have some some guys here that are in school, some guys in college, some guys that are heading out to work, some uh, contemplating other things. I'm just saying this morning, on that journey, if we will allow God to lead and to direct us, it's unbelievable how it can change our life forever in a positive way. I know what it's like to mess up and to see what me messing life up can look like, and I'm tired of that. And and I'm 63, and I want to get things right. Can anybody else say amen to that? I, I want this to be a good year, and I want God to be able to bless me, and if he has to change things uh, in my life, I want him to do that, that it could do, so it could be the best that it could possibly be. So we're going to have to be willing, if that's the case, we're going to have to be willing to, to, if I can put it this way, wrestle with God. I mean, to truly um, and personally encounter God and I mean get a hold of God not my general prayer that I do I'm not saying those are wrong or that God does not hear those I'm just saying when there's something large looming out in front of us it's going to take a time where I literally encounter God Jacob has dealt with God before this why wrestle with him at this time? A wrestling match. What's going on here? Well, there's great big things going on here. And when Jacob gets across, I mean, the Bible as we know it from this point on literally goes into motion, not that it hasn't before, but with the patriarchs and uh, 
Judaic system as we know it is in motion, and God is making sure that Jacob meets God. And he wrestles with him. And what do you do in a wrestling match? You try to win is, is the goal. Jacob had a huge concern waiting on him just over on the other side of the brook. Uh, it was this six foot five brother Esau. I don't know how tall he was, but he was obviously a big guy. He was hairy and, and he was a hunter and he was skilled at everything he did. And to Jacob, honestly, it was life threatening. I don't know if you've ever, honestly and truly, really ever been in a life threatening situation or not. I don't know if you've ever been there where you felt like, I, this could end really bad. Like, I may not make it through this. I, I, but when you're there, uh, that's what he was feeling. Very threatening to him. Um, uh, he stood to lose not just his cattle, but his family and even, <clears throat> even his, his own life. I still got a bug working in me. You have to forgive me with all this junk that's going on. <clears throat> but um, it, was, it was bad things out in front of him. And it's the kind of thing that you sit down and you're like, I, I'd give up anything I own to be able to have this to be right. I don't know if you've been there. A couple times in my life I have said to God, all is yours. Take it all if I could just have you know, this be fixed or whatever it might be. And uh, Jacob has not quite got to that place yet, but he's, he's getting close. I don't know, how many of you guys have ever wrestled in high school? Guys been in wrestling in high school? Brother Hash, you teach it a little bit, don't you? I know some of you daddies have your boys in, in wrestling. and um, I mean, um, <clears throat> it's pretty high intensity, wrestling is. There's not typically, once the, once the match starts, there's not typically any kind of mild moments where guys are just kind of taking it easy. It's just not like that. Wrestling is exertion from the moment you start until the match basically the match is over and it's it's uh, um, bloodshot eyes it's sweat uh it's blood sometimes and um yeah there's some boundaries to stay in but pretty much it's just everything you've got uh to be able to wrestle and i would just say this that if you'll stop and understand i hope you can i can relate this to you in a proper way if you're going to get a hold of God this year to where you know God is hearing you and you know that these big things are right in front of you, if you want 2019 to be a tremendous year, and I really, really do, I, I want it to be the greatest year I've ever had. I want that every year, but I want 2019 to be the greatest year I've ever had, and I'll say the same thing in 2020, uh, and if the rapture happens, it will have been the greatest year I've ever had. I'm just saying, though, my general prayer life that I have, and, and, and I'm, I'm intense in my general prayer life, but there are just some things that you need to get hold of God and be able to wrestle with God to the point where you just say, God, I'm, I can't let go until I know I have an answer for this. Not that <clears throat> he provides the answer and lays it in your hand at the moment, but in your heart, something clicks and you know that God has heard me and you know that the Lord has uh, basically worked out whatever the issue is going to be and I realize that God has this handled. Now, let me just tell you this, God already, always already has it handled. Always. It just takes a while for it to click in our hearts 
And we get to this place where we just run around doing our own plans and our own thing. And again, Jacob was that kind of a guy that did that. I'm just saying, if you're going to see major things happen in your life, it's going to take a wrestling match with God where you get a hold of God. And, and uh, I, I will have to tell you, I've never in my prayer life, I've, I've prayed really, really hard before. I have cried and wept before God. I've not sweated. I don't sweat easy anyway. I've not sweated so much like I was in a wrestling match. But I can tell you that many times I've coated an altar with tears. Just telling God I have to know that this has worked out. I have to know this is in the hand of God. I, I cannot handle this on my own. And Jacob was wrestling with God and needed an answer from the Lord. He just wasn't going to let go. Look in verse 26. And he said, let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. I have got to have this. I mean, in other words, I have to win the match. I simply cannot be defeated. And there's been days in my life. I just could not get up and walk away, still with question marks in my mind and grief in my soul. There have been times I just had to stay with God till I knew that God had answered my prayer. That's what Jacob had to do. Times where I just have to win. I have to find God. I have to know that the Lord is hearing what I'm saying. We have to be willing, guys, to go eyeball to eyeball with God with great determination for the grace that you're going to need for this coming year. James tells us in chapter 5, verse 16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Effectual and fervent. What do those two words mean? Effectual means to stretch with everything you have. I, I remember uh, the story of a daddy whose little boy was caught up in the, in the second uh, story of their house and it was on fire and the fireman couldn't get to him and uh, the, the daddy climbing a pole on the outside of the house and, um, and stretching and reaching his body trying to grab the hand of his little boy. I mean, this guy's not going to stop. He stretched and gave everything he had in his body. I have got to save my little boy and was able to grab him by the hand and swing him down and they both slid down the pole and the daddy's hands were just massacred from the heat of the fire and so forth. But I, I, I remember how strongly I heard how that daddy reached for that little boy and I'm just thinking in my prayer time, <clears throat> effectual praying is reaching with everything I have inside my heart and soul. It's stretching out to God with everything I am, all that I have. It's crying out from the depths of my heart to where I know I'm just not holding anything back from God. Have you ever been there in your prayer time? Ever? And I, and I would just tell you, until you do, there's so much about God you don't know. When you get with God like that, he just reveals so much more of himself to us and I get peeled away and God's image is shining on me. It's just, um, this is not some great supernatural thing that only certain people can have. It's something God expects for every one of us. I believe that with all my heart today. So, do you really think that God is just going to let you skate into next year with the same amount of faith that you have right now? and not expect to see you grow a little bit? 
Or do you think that it is the will of God that you grow in your faith and in His grace? Obviously, God always wants us to be growing in faith. And to grow in faith, listen, you have to face something you've never faced before. You have to come upon a giant that you've never seen drop before. You have to face something that is so large you've never been able to lift it in your life ever before. Uh, Something that you just can't plan your way out of. If you're going to grow in faith, you have to face those kinds of things. And God is saying to you today, I'm looking for the Christian who's willing to get on their knees and cry out to me in such a way that I can grow his faith today and help him in this coming year. So before we head across into this new year, can I challenge you to get with God and, and, and even wrestle with him in prayer fervently, earnestly for what's right out in front of us? Why wouldn't we do that? Secondly, God made Jacob admit or at least verbalize who he was personally. Look how he did it in verse 27. And he said unto him, this is God speaking to Jacob, what is thy name? He's going to make him say his name out loud. And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob. There's a whole lot behind a name, by the way, guys. Uh, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. So what's your name? Well, my name's Jacob. What does Jacob mean? You Sunday school teachers know this, you preachers. Jacob means to supplant or uh, to take the place of somebody else. I want to be where you're at. It's grabbing the guy up in front of you who's waiting uh, in to get a drink and you just jerk him behind you. You supplanted him. You took, you take his place. <clears throat> when he came out of the womb, uh, there, remember he was a twin, Jacob and Esau. Um, when he came out of the womb, he came out holding the heel of his twin brother, um, Esau. He was known to be a deceiver and a trickster. You know what's really neat to me is how much God used that man. He's just, just a man and God chose to use just a man. But God developed him all along the way. uh, Jacob, he was used to the motto, and here's his motto. If you want to get something done, you're going to have to do it yourself. That's the kind of the way he lived his life. I will just make sure things get done. And a, a certain amount of determination is not bad, as long as you know it's the hand of God leading you in that uh, determined spirit. So notice what God did to him in verse 25. This is big. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, God, with Jacob, when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he, God, touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Hmm. That's uh, that's an interesting thought. We're going to come back to that here in just a moment. But um, what is your name? My my name is Jacob. Well, I'm going to change your name to Israel, which means prince with God. So before you tried to work all these things out yourself, but you've you've wrestled with God, you've you've cried out to me, you said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. It was like saying, I'm not going to let you go until I know I have victory over what's waiting on me on the other side of the brook. Uh, What's right out in front of me, I don't want to cross that until I know that the hand of God is on me and those circumstances, I cannot let you go. 
And so he had gotten hold of God, and he knew that the way I uh, get changes in life in a good way is to get a hold of the Lord. And now God looks at him and says, what's your name? Well, my name's Jacob. And the name Jacob means a, a trickster. That's just the way he lived his life. I'll work it out myself. If I can trick somebody into something, I'll do that. That's what he did with Esau to get his birthright and so forth. But God looked at him now and says, we're going to change your name now, bud. Your name's no longer going to be Jacob, the supplanter, the trickster. Your name is now going to be changed to Israel, prince with God. And notice what else he did right in that same time frame. Took his um, hip out of joint. Has anybody here ever had a, uh, a joint out of socket? Just curious. Let me see the grimace. Yep. I remember as a kid, I got off the school bus. I was running up to the house and uh, got to the steps, and I'm bounding up the steps, and I I tripped on one of the steps and went down to catch myself, and when I went down, pulled my finger up, my thumb up, this thumb was over sideways, hanging over that way. And I knew I'd never bent that way before. Um, and I kind of panicked a little bit, I grabbed it and jerked it back over, it popped back into place, but oh, did that hurt for the longest time. When you get something out of joint, I'm going to tell you, you handle things differently, you don't uh, operate like you used to before. You look a little different when you're like that. If, uh, you know, some of you guys, you say, I've got a trick knee. I've heard people say that. Uh, and I watch them get up, they'll try to walk, and all of a sudden they can't walk. And they'll grab a hold of something around them. And, and I've, as a kid, I've said, what's wrong? And they say, oh, I've got a trick knee. I always wanted to see the trick, but they, um, uh, you know, I've got a problem with my knee. It changes the way you walk. I hope you heard that because when God uh, took Jacob's uh, hip out of joint it changed the way the guy walked he, he went on limping from that point on um, verse 32 says therefore the children of Israel uh, eat not of the uh, sinew which shrank back up 31 that's where I'm looking and as he passed over Penuel the sun rose upon him and he halted upon his thigh now from that day on Jacob walked around probably with some kind of a crutch of a, a stick or something around him. The hip was messed up. And from the time he entered that place to the time he left that place, God had changed that man in such a way that his walk was so different to everybody else around him. So do you understand that sometimes for God to do his best for you, he needs to change your walk with him. Big things need to change. You say, well, I don't want my hip out of joint. Well, obviously he's not doing that for us today, but it may take some major changes in your life the way you're living your life right now. What you think is normal and, and, and is working out really great for me the way I am now, I'm sure Jacob appreciated being able to run and walk normal like anybody else, and I'm sure it was difficult for him after God changed his walk. And, and, and uh, uh, I don't know what you would actually call it, but uh, the, touched the hollow of his thigh, and, and he was out of joint. He just could not walk like he did before. I'm just saying God may be calling upon you for this year to change some things about your walk with him and it may need to look drastic it may to you it might be something that seems normal and like what would be wrong with me having this in my life I mean I, I, I go to church every Sunday I I you know do what I think I'm supposed to be doing my walk seems to be normal but are you willing to stay like you are now 
to forfeit the best that God might have for you? Are you willing to lay something major down in your life? Or is it all about you and your life? Are you refusing to change your name from Jacob to Israel, in other words, to be a prince with God? One that walks hand in hand with the Lord. One that lets God lead their life and shows them how blessed your life can really be if you'll just let me change your life. Some of us just are like, I don't know if I want that. I don't like changes. I like the way things are right now. But when I look God in the eyes uh, and God says, Philip, I, I, know, I know how you're living your life and I know he doesn't say to me, you're Jacob and I need to change you to Israel. But until you're willing to admit who you really are, that's what he was saying to Jacob, what's your name? Well, and God knew what that meant, and God knew that Jacob knew what that meant. Until you're really willing to stand before God and admit who you are, you're never going to have any major changes. You're always going to be the same guy. You're never going to see any of the major changes in your marriage or in your home or in your family or in your personal life like you could unless you're willing to admit who you are and who God sees all along. I'd like to have a new name with God. I'd like to know that I am a prince that walks with God. I'd like to know that my life is in tune with the, the way that God would have Christians to go. Well, let me finish with this, how God started, number three, God started this journey with some very calm assurance in verses one and two. Would you go back there with me and we'll wrap it up with this. Verses one and two, and Jacob went on his way and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's host. And he called the name of that place Mayanam. I don't know if I'm saying it properly, uh, but that's the way I'm saying Mayanam. And just, just listen to this, and we're going to tie this all together if I can. The name Mayanam means a place of two camps. Um, while Jacob was camped in his spot, what God was letting him know was that he wasn't alone. God was camping right alongside of him. It's the place of two camps. It's the place before he ever encounters uh, God you know, in the wrestling match and before he ever goes on a cross and sees that Esau really is okay with him. It's the beginning of this scene. Uh, he stops at Mayanam, a place of two camps. God wanted him to know as he headed out on this life-threatening journey that he was camped out with him the whole way, that you're not here alone in your tent. And I remember Moses communicating with God while Israel was early in their journey to the promised land. You'll remember this. And he told God in Exodus 33, he said, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. God, I don't even want to take this walk unless God is the one with us. I, I need that cloud uh, and, and that fire to, to guide and to direct us and to know that God is with me. And over and again, God has promised us that he'll go with us and be with us every moment of our lives. God's not expecting us to go on a journey that's difficult or a journey where my life really changes in some big way. 
to the glory of God without me knowing that he's there with me and walking right beside me. I don't mind it if my dad walked with me in the dark. I, I've told you about having to go out into the garden one night and cover the tomatoes because it was frost was coming and it was already dark and my dad wasn't out yet. And I'm out in the garden all alone and the woods are right out there. You can see the ominous woods and you could see the grizzly bears coming and all that. You know they were out there. And I was really petrified, and I could hardly get any work done. And then I looked up, and here comes my dad, wearing his cap, carrying the bag of newspapers and all that. And when Dad got next to me, I didn't care how many grizzly bears showed up. I was walking with Dad. If you just know that God is with you, place of two camps, you're not alone, and you never started this journey alone, and you're not going to end it alone. God will always walk with you. Are you willing to let God have his way? Are you willing for some major changes in the way you live? We only got this much time to live, guys, and then it's eternity forever. Are, are you saying I'm not willing to make some major changes in this little part of my life or let God make some major changes in my life? Show me things about my lifestyle that needs to change things that i think is okay that god wants to show me this is not the way christians ought to live are you willing to let god show you what true christianity looks like and make the changes or not if not i mean you can go on and stroll through life like you are right now the rest of your life or you can meet god face to face and say god i need god i i can't let go until i know that i have god with me I need to know you're the fourth man in the fire. I need to know that you're the lion tamer in the lion's den. I need to know that you're walking beside me. Jacob could never have been the great father to the 12 patriarchs of the Old Testament if God had not prepared his heart and his mind for the journey. And we will never know the Christians God knows we can be unless we have that encounter with the Lord. And that'd be my challenge before I head into this new year, that I could get alone with God somewhere and know that I have met God face to face. And I've got his assurance that he's going to walk me right on through that. I hope and pray you'd be willing to do that. I don't know if you know the Lord as your Savior this morning. If there's somebody here today that, to answer the question, if you died today, are you sure you'd be in heaven? would be a negative answer. I'm here to tell you, God can save your life today if you would let him. And for the Christian, God could change your life if you would allow him to do so. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.